Thanks, Scott Shannon, and hello. Happy New Year, if there is such a thing. Everybody's hearts are troubled. They should be, and I'll explain why. 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. We have extensive coverage of, A, the president's rally in Georgia tonight, why Georgia should matter to everybody in this country, um, what Ted Cruz and House members are planning for Wednesday that is gaining a lot of momentum as we speak, um, and some certain truths that we're we're going to have to start to face as a country that, um, I don't know, perhaps naively, I never thought certain things can happen here, and yet they're happening before our eyes, and the stakes are high, and we'll get to all of that. Um, anyway, you know, when you when I take a little break and... It's just always dead time on radio and, and TV over the holidays, whether people want to admit it or not. And it's but I could not pull myself away from where this country is at this moment, because I don't think the stakes have ever been higher. I don't think I've had these feelings my whole life. I never felt the way I do now. And that is, you know, there were certain things that fundamentally, instinctively I believe to this day, but with certain new exceptions. And what I mean by that is I still believe this is the greatest, best hope for man on this earth, the greatest country God ever gave man, mankind. Um, And that freedom, I believe, is the greatest gift. You know, we're endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, and in other words, they're not, these rights are God-given. They're not government-given. And governments are empowered by we, the people. But they have to be empowered by fair and true and honest elections. And I don't believe we had that in 2020. And 83% of Republicans seem to agree with me. And even 20 to 30%, I guess, depending on the polls, of Democrat or independents seem to agree the same, and a lot, even a lot of Democrats seem to agree with me, and for good reason. And I guess where this gets really dicey here is, you know, and I think I said this before the election. I don't remember. I said it a lot when I have conversations with people um, recently. You know, we're the country that used to send election observers to other countries to monitor that they have free and fair elections that we can trust and we can all have confidence in, that they have integrity in the system. Now, we can go through a, a history. You can even go back to 1960s election, Nixon versus Kennedy, and and what people pretty confident was the, the real result and what went on in Chicago, et cetera, in Illinois and and the close election that that ended up being and whether or not Kennedy had truly won the election. It's not the first time we've had disputed election results in this country. Um, You know, certain institutions, though, I've been saying this both before the election and post-election, that I really, I just didn't see it happening. Now, look, we saw, for example, the the mess, the swinging, the, the, pimpled and dimpled and hanging and and perforated chads and all the mess that went on after the 2000 election. And we saw what happened in the 2016 election down in Florida. And frankly, all credit needs to be given to Governor Ron DeSantis because he cleaned up that mess. 
And and we had total faith, integrity, confidence in the election results that came out of Florida this year. And they ran it efficiently. And they do have a high percentage of mail-in ballots, but they also have a system of checks and balances that a lot of other states now that adopted it this year don't have. And, you know, the problem with where we are with this election is there is, and, and this has been building, and this is sort of the crescendo for me, where I'm just beginning to realize and recognize, and maybe some of you will rightly accuse me of a certain degree of naivete, that certain things that I never thought could happen here are happening, and it's going to take we the people to ultimately fix it. You know, if you would have asked me back five years ago if I ever thought a presidential candidate could purchase what we now know to be Russian disinformation and then the highest ranking members of an organization that I have revered my entire life, the FBI, would then commit premeditated fraud on a FISA court and spy on a presidential candidate and later a transition team and later a president. If you asked me five years ago if I ever thought that could happen in our FBI, our great institution, my answer would have been no. Now we know it happened. If you would have asked me if the people that were responsible for it were still four plus years later not held to account for it, but yet there were pre-dawn raids. You know, remember, the inspector general had had literally you know, talked about and, and, and identified fraud and lies of, of certain members of the FBI and referred them for investigation that clearly has never really happened. I don't know where Durham is at this point. I mean, it's beyond frustrating to me. And in other words, what I'm talking about here, I never expected corruption at the highest level. Now, I still revere the brave men and women of the FBI. I, I say the 99% because I know they're honest people and they put their life at risk for us. I don't kick the baby out with a with the bathwater. I don't make broad generalizations about any group of people like that. And it would be unfair to do so. But I do question now, do we have equal justice and applications of our laws? We used to send election observers to countries to monitor their elections. Who's going to monitor ours? And up until and including now, I believe while we always were imperfect, all of mankind, I view biblically as imperfect, but yet we always strive towards a more perfect union and that while the system of justice, even our Supreme court is recognized as not perfect, a jury system, but it's the best justice system in the world. And it's what we have. And I can't think of a better one. If the Clintons that I ever think would get away Hillary with the espionage act and deleting subpoenaed emails, I wouldn't have believed it or her op research, Russian lies used to spy on a, a presidential candidate and president. I wouldn't have believed it. And nobody got held accountable. I wouldn't have believed that and that we didn't have equal justice or application of our laws. And, you know, then people like Roger Stone get accused of the exact same thing as Inspector General Horowitz says that top FBI people did. And yet he gets 30 guys in tactical gear and frogmen and and, you know, pre-dawn raids with CNN cameras and, you know, a judge that hates his guts. Um, I didn't think that could happen. I know that intellectually, I know that we were one of the few that vetted Obama to the point where 
nobody in the media asked questions about black liberation theology. Frank Marshall Davis, Acorn Community Organizing, uh, Reverend Wright, Ayers and Dorn. I, I said journalism's dead then. I had no idea how right I was. You know, we've always known the media is abusively biased, but not this bad. I didn't expect that they would ever vet Biden, uh, vet Biden like they never vetted Obama. I never expected in 2018 that Biden family corruption would be this bad and that, you know, we have an impeachment over a quid pro quo that never happened. But ignore Joe on tape bragging about his quid pro quo that benefited his zero experience son Hunter and all leveraging a billion of our taxpayer dollars in the meantime. Or Papadopoulos actually saying that nobody talked to the Russians, that he would view it as traitorous. And they still went after this kid. You know, the FBI, they didn't even believe General Flynn lied. And they say either lie or we're going to go after your family. You know, in the Manafort case, dragged out of mothballs. This is not the United States that that I, I just didn't think these things could happen here. Which brings us to the election. You know, with all the praise that went to the whistleblowers, the, the hearsay non-whistleblower whistleblower over Ukraine, and what a patriot and what a courageous and what a brave American, and we ought to praise this individual, all of the hundreds and hundreds of people that signed affidavits, they weren't given the praise of the hearsay whistleblower, the anonymous one. You know, the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court decision, I don't think anybody in the mob and the media or any Democrat, for that matter, ever bothered to read the beatdown by the chief justice and what the Wisconsin law says specifically and court precedents involving the exact same issue. The state of Wisconsin's law does not allow for early voting, but yet they that hundreds of thousands of instances where they solicited didn't even fill out the proper forms, and they did it anyway. Ha- ha- having meetings, people meeting in parks, saying that they had to vote absentee because they couldn't leave their house. But they were saying it in a public park as they were being solicited to vote. Or the state of Pennsylvania's constitution, since what, I guess the 1800s, clearly stating, with very specific and rare exceptions, that mail-in voting is not allowed the state legislature just ignoring their own state constitution. Now we've got a constitutional issue or the Georgia issue where they have lax signature verification standards for mail-in ballots because of a consent agreement made with the dopey secretary of state there. And yet if you vote in person, you have the rigid standard of the state, which is very unique and different and you need voter ID, you know, or now data analysis that has been coming out since I've been on vacation you know, experts in their field saying, yeah, these numbers are wrong and here's why. And explaining it with great specificity and detail, you would think that there was some level of curiosity among the mob, the media, some level of honest intellectual thought by Democrats. None. They didn't care about the whistleblowers, the eyewitnesses, the Wisconsin law, the Pennsylvania Constitution, dual signature verification standards in Georgia, data analysis, or the law in every state that calls for partisan observers watching the vote count. Nor do people seem to care about chain of custody issues, all of which happened here, which is now culminating in what will be, I believe, a 
pretty big march on Washington. We'll have it covered for you on this program on Wednesday leading up to, I, I would expect, uh, at least 150 House members. More senators seem to be joining on in the Senate by day. Josh Hawley, uh, Ted Cruz, and uh, David Perdue joined on board as well from Georgia and many, many others. You know, finally saying, uh, we need a 10-day commission, which, by the way, is historically precedented as well. Not that anybody in the media even cares. What they do is, oh, no, we've looked into that. It's not true. Thousands of votes showing up in Georgia days and days and weeks after the election. Yeah, no, this is the last of it. Then another batch of votes. Votes are still showing up, from what I understand, in upstate New York at this time. No, 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 we've looked into that. Yeah, we've looked into all of the allegations. There's no evidence whatsoever. It's just not true. The, the eyewitness whistleblowers under threat of uh, penalty of perjury were all considered evidence, but nobody wanted to hear them. And we were one of just a couple of shows that I know of that even let these people be heard. And they, every time I interviewed them, they'd say, thank you. I said, for what? Thank you. And they'd say, for letting us be heard. Wow. And all the praise of the hearsay whistleblower or the constitutional case or the data analysis or the partisan observer. None of it cares because for them, the left, it's the result they wanted. But the problem is, is institutions are failing at such a high level that, you know, you begin to worry. Forget about me. I've had a great life. I'm, I'm not really that concerned about Sean Hannity. But you think about your kids and your grandkids and if it can happen here at this level and we don't show any concern or intellectual curiosity whatsoever and we dismiss it all when, in fact, a lot of it happened, that's scary for the country. What's the antidote? I'll explain it on the other side. Turns out Georgia Republican uh, Party chair has uh, pointed out that the conversation with the president yesterday released by the secretary of state who, who, by the way, is now on television just saying things that are plainly untrue. He's, he's like, it's a bait and switch, his argument about signature verification. We checked it in comp- because that was That was a bait and switch. That's not where the allegations were, were mostly made. He talked about the primary. Wasn't talking about the general election, nor is he addressing the consent decree that he agreed to which is the dual standards for signature verification. He, he's purposefully avoiding the issue and denying what the truth is. But anyway, uh, the president now has filed two lawsuits. This, this was all part of a settlement discussion where I've actually taken the time to, to read the entire transcript. The president laid out the case over and over again that he believes this is where hundreds of thousands of votes for him existed that weren't found. And the idea that he was pressuring the secretary of state was baloney. And the fact is, as a matter of state law in Georgia, if you're having a settlement discussion and you agree that that call is private, well, that's, you know, that that is an entirely different arena. And an instant after instant after instant, the president is laying out the case for much larger numbers than, quote, the number that would need was needed. He said it's going to be easy to find the, the nearly 12,000 votes that I, quote, lost by, according to your certification. You know, when you look here and here and here and here and here, not asking the guy to do it, which just shows how corrupt the mob and the media is. I could spend an entire program analyzing this. How many of you know Democrats actually objected to the electoral vote certification in 2000? and 2004 and 2016.
I bet you the mob hasn't pointed that history out. Next. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Um, You know, all the Democrats feigning their outrage, the mob feigning their outrage. Where was it? Do you recall it in 2000 or 2004 or 2016? You had several House Democrats objecting to the certification of results then and uh, not being joined by any senators in the 2004 case. Then Senator Barbara Boxer objected to President George W. Bush's electoral win. Even the New York Times reporting in January of 01. I love to remind the New York Toilet Paper Times of their their past errors. Uh, but anyway, coverage honest that uh, is non-existent today. Anyway, for nearly 20 minutes in the House chamber, dozen members of the Congressional Black Caucus joined a few sympathizers, tried in vain to block the counting of Florida's 25 electoral votes and protesting that black voters had been disenfranchised and Florida's highly contested electoral votes were crucial to Mr. Bush's victory after a prolonged legal and political battle following an inconclusive election. Senator Boxer, Democratic Ohio uh, Representative Stephanie Tubbs objected to Bush's 2004 votes in Ohio and on and on and on. At the time, PBS reported in 2017, House Democrats objected to the votes from at least 10 states, raising issues of voter suppression, American intelligence showing that Russia tried to sway the election in favor of Trump. In each case, their objections were denied because they didn't have any support of any senators, and Maxine Waters even pleaded for a senator to join in their objections. Um, Go back to what I'm saying here is that there's not a single issue that matters that, but, you know, the eyewitnesses didn't matter. The whistleblowers, you know, the Wisconsin case is fascinating to me. Four, three decision and the chief justice railing against the other four justices in a fairly unprecedented way, rightly pointing out a portion of the public. Uh, they don't believe this election was fairly conducted and four justices on this court cannot even be bothered with addressing the what the statute meaning the law statutes require to assure absentee ballots are lawfully cast. Wisconsin Supreme Court Chief Justice, four members of this court throw the cloak over numerous problems that will be repeated again and again until this court has the courage to correct them. Another dissenting justice in Wisconsin, every single voter in this state is harmed when a vote is cast in contravention of the statutes. And it's doomed to create chaos, uncertainty, undermine confidence, spawn needless litigation. This is not the rule of law. It's the rule of a of judicial activism through inaction. No court has wanted to touch this. No Democrats wanted to touch it. And they all dismissed. No, we looked into that. We looked into that. Not true. Not true. Not true. Well, they didn't interview the 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 witnesses that signed had sworn affidavits they signed under penalty of perjury. They never looked at the court decision in Wisconsin or read it, nor have they ever bothered that I know of to to ever take the time and actually read what the Constitution in the great state of Pennsylvania says, because in that case, uh, it couldn't be any more clear what they're saying, what the Constitution says. It was interesting that Josh Hawley, responding to Pat Toomey, you know, had to remind Pennsylvania's senator 
that since the 19th century, the Pennsylvania Constitution required all votes to be cast in person with narrowly defined exceptions. Well, the state legislature, it's widely acknowledged that, by the way, by Pennsylvania courts, they have ruled on this question multiple times. But it didn't stop the state legislature from not following the Constitution by enacting a law, was it Bill Number 70, that purported to permit voting by mail for any reason directly contradicting what is the state constitution. They actually have a process for amending the constitution in Pennsylvania. Uh, In spite of questions about, uh, from my understanding and every legal expert I talk to, Pence's role is ceremonial, but Pence has now said he welcomes the efforts of lawmakers like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. So, you know, what is it? Let's attack people's motives. Let's say they have ambition to run for president themselves Let's ignore the 75 million Americans that have looked at the Constitution of Pennsylvania, the laws of Wisconsin, that have listened to the eyewitness whistleblowers, that see this consent decree with emerging dual signature verification standards in Georgia, in spite of the Secretary of State, what he's saying, or now even look at the data analysis in these states as well. You know, it is... You know, look at our own U.S. Constitution in Article 2. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors. State legislators get to decide election policy, but they got to do it constitutionally. They ignored their own state constitution. I mean, it's it's pretty cut and dry. It's not even that difficult to figure out. Does it matter that? You know, we have we actually have sworn depositions of of identified people who voted twice in Nevada uh, or ballots mailed out of state to ineligible voters or ballots cast from non-existent or commercial addresses or even the few dead people we've been able to chronicle that voted here. Uh, nobody wants to address it. Nobody wants to view it. Nobody wants to question it. Nobody wants any, you know, intellectual honesty about any of this um on december 30th there is this you know really incredible group linda mclaughlin works with them our own linda data integrity group they actually gave senate testimony on december 30th about georgia for example the senate judiciary subcommittee on elections well, let's see. The people you have involved in this seem pretty impressive to me. You got one guy who's a data scientist with over a decade experience in a lot of industries. What we have here is fraud that we can prove in this election. And, you know, then I begin to look at the background and the people. One is a nine-year veteran of the U.S. Navy, worked as an electronic warfare technician, cryptolog- cryptologic technician, whatever the hell that is, Arabic linguist, worked at the NSA as a mission manager, Later worked as a CIA contractor at the Counterterrorism Center. I'm like, wow. And they've analyzed a lot of these different states here, including Pennsylvania, including Georgia, including Arizona. And they have real data. You think that maybe there'd be some intellectual curiosity and look at, well, is there any truth to this? These are pretty smart people making pretty significant allegations. Anyone want to look at it? No, they don't want to hear from eyewitnesses. They don't care about Wisconsin's law. They don't care about Pennsylvania's constitution. They don't care about unequal standards for signature verification in Georgia. They don't care about laws that allow for partisan observers to observe, and they don't care about chain of custody. 
Now, I never just, again, I never thought it could happen here, but I never thought it could happen here either that one candidate would buy a dirty Russian dossier and it would become the, the basis of premeditated fraud on a FISA court to spy on another presidential candidate and then later a president. And I'm beginning to face some truth and some reality here is that they just don't give a flying you-know-what. But that then becomes a danger to the entire country. And if we care about the rule of law, look, I, I never thought that the people that were referred for investigation by the inspector general would still be scot-free four years later, but they sure are. You know, how does that happen in this great country of ours? Um, and what does it mean for us in the end? And then, by the way, even though Democrats have done it themselves and challenged the Electoral College results, well, we can't let Ted Cruz do it. Well, Ted Cruz's letter was just like Josh Hawley's statement. Couldn't be any more clear. America is a republic. Leaders are chosen in democratic elections. These elections must comply with the Constitution, with federal and state law. When the voters fairly decide an election pursuant to the rule of law, the losing candidate should acknowledge, respect the legitimacy of the election. Then he talks about the 2020 election, like the 2016 election, was hard fought. And by the way, closely decided, narrowly decided. And the 2020 election, you know, when you look at election law, voting irregularities, such as we just mentioned, that nobody, it's like there were maybe 25 of us that were willing to, to unpeel the layers of the onion between my radio and TV staff and our ensemble cast and a few members of Congress, Jim Jordan, Devin Nunes, Ratcliffe, Meadows, Matt Gates, and I can't remember everybody, Louis Gohmert. There were very few of us. But the mob and the media didn't break any of those stories. They went with the false narrative and lied to the public for, for three straight years. They ignored the quid pro quo that really happened with Joe. Why? The billion taxpayer dollars that were leveraged with Ukraine, you're not getting the billion unless you fire the prosecutor so my zero-experienced son can make millions more. Or about Biden family corruption in general. And then Cruz goes on to say, ideally the courts would have heard the actual evidence, which is what I thought would happen. I actually naively, stupidly believed that the courts would hear it. They haven't. And resolve these claims of serious election fraud. And twice the Supreme Court had the opportunity to do so, and twice they declined. And on January 6th, Cruz points out it's incumbent on Congress to vote on whether to certify the 2020 election results. Ted Cruz is right. Josh Hawley is right. Pat Toomey is wrong, as are many other senators. Um, if you care about, again, the law, the Constitution, real evidence, you know, the, why is there no curiosity? Because they, their their hatred of Donald Trump, you know, surpasses everything else in their lives. Um, and that's what it really comes down to. And it's become a media psychosis, pathology even, and it's become a Democratic Party one. And by any means necessary, even electing a radical socialist who's weak and frail and cognitively struggling, Joe Biden. They don't care. They say, well, we'll even go with that guy. Even, quote, never Trump Republicans. Same thing. Anyway, anyway, so Cruz points out that there has been congressional objections to election results in 1969, 2001, 5, 17. And it's not the only time it's happened. He said, you know, we don't expect Democrats and perhaps more than a few Republicans to vote otherwise. But 
he is rightly saying that they should look into it, which is a precedent that settled the 1876 election. But why why let history get in the way of, you know, a good narrative of hating all things Donald Trump and saying any supporters of his uh, are crazy, which then brings us now to the state of Georgia. By the way, I've read the transcript. How many times Donald Trump laid out? We have identified hundreds of thousands of votes. And he was this was a private call. And a settlement discussion. In other words, lawyers were on the call as they were discussing the settlement discussion. Well, that's very different than your typical call. And then it raises the question, well, who leaked it? Well, apparently there's going to be lawsuits filed, federal and state, for leaking it. But the media just selectively edits out all the arguments Trump made that he that there were hundreds of thousands of votes that he thinks uh, were really in his column and that they didn't get right. And he lays it out passionately and in great specificity and great detail. And then the secretary of state leaks the call. But of course the media focuses in on only one phrase that we're only looking for 11,000 or 12,000 votes here, 11,000, whatever it is, ignoring that the president was making the larger case that there was a lot more votes that he believes he won by. And that was the larger case he was laying out there. In other words, that there's enough Corruption in the vote where we believe, he believes, lawyers believe, would have overturned the election had, in fact, that dopey Secretary of State not gone into the consent decree agreement. Which then brings us to the issue of, well, now we've got this guy, Raphael Warnock, and John Ossoff with his ties to China. Raphael Warnock is, you know, dangerous rhetoric, radicalism. Nobody can serve God in the military. Police are gangsters and they have a thug mentality. We have a new piece out by by Project Veritas of his spokespeople saying, yeah, he really is for defunding the police, but he's not going to say it. You know, he wants to end cash bail and so much more. Asaf quietly, you know, is not disclosing his ties to a pro-Chinese Communist Party media company. And money said apparently that they're looking into as it relates to a Qatari-backed Al Jazeera network. I mean, it's pretty scary when you look at their views. Now, for those in Georgia, I'll say this. You're the last line of defense. Mark Levin was right. This is it. And all, all the people are saying is you got to vote. The vote will be determined tomorrow. Early voting has already occurred. Stacey Abrams has her votes baked in. But if a million and one, million two show up at the polls tomorrow in Georgia, we probably will know around this time. We'll have an indication if we have a shot. But if Republicans and Trump supporters go out in massive numbers, then you can stop Schumer from basically controlling the Senate. And with, along with Pelosi in the House. By the way, all the lectures on coronavirus. Then you had one of the Democrats with coronavirus walking in to save Pelosi, you know, with her six point vote margin yesterday. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941. Sean, if you want to be a part of the program, um, we cannot ignore what's going on in Georgia, and the president obviously has his rally tonight. A lot going to be happening news-wise all week, but Georgia, uh, yeah, your country needs you and needs you desperately. And based on our analysis of, of numbers and early voting numbers, uh, it's going to take a massive Trump-supporting turnout in Georgia tomorrow to put Kelly Leffler and David Perdue over the top. 
over the weekend, Project Veritas released what is their latest investigation. Apparently, they've been on the ground for Georgia for some in, in Georgia for some time, and they actually have members of Raphael Warnock, the radical left winger that he is, in his campaign, uh, saying that. He is for defunding the police. Now, we've gone over this. I've gone over it in in great specificity, in great detail. And nobody seems to want to hear about the background of, of Raphael Warnock. But here's the latest from his own staff. You know, police officers are not all good. You know what I'm saying? Most of them are bad. We know that. He, he, avoid using defunding the police because he knows that the Republicans are going to try to grab onto an attack. Of course. Right? Of course. But in reality, his his whole platform with police reform is along the lines of the same people who are saying police. Gotcha. Just not using the same rhetoric. Those are some of the things that um, you know, we can get answers from uh, from a senator that will hold local police accountable. He's, he's pro-choice, even though he's a reverend, he's pro-choice, he's pro-police reform, he's But he is on our side for defunding these suckers in blue, these police. He's on our side on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I guess he's on our side with all this, but we're not going to tell the public. We'll be as dishonest as we can be. Uh, David Perdue, runoff election is the last opportunity to protect everything that we've accomplished in the last four years, which is extraordinarily true. Listen. First of all, this is the last opportunity we will have to protect everything that we've accomplished in the last four years. Uh, The second thing is the last line of defense uh, to stop the Democrats from perpetrating this radical socialist agenda. It's as simple as that. The eyes of America, and indeed, I believe the eyes of the world, are on the people of Georgia. And it's up to us. It's our responsibility. It's not just a right to vote. It's a responsibility. And if you're upset as I am about what happened in November, the only alternative you have is to stand up and fight and fight in the only way you can. And that is to get out and vote tomorrow and get out and vote tomorrow. Now, in person, voting will decide the Georgia election. Uh, joining us now, Craig Kashishian, Matt Towery and Robert Kahaley. Uh, Matt Towery, of course, Insider Advantage, Robert Kahaley, the Trafalgar Group. Uh, Craig, uh, educated at Cornell, uh, thank you all for being with us. Uh, Matt, I'll start with you today because you have a poll you just released, 49-49. Uh, doesn't get any closer, but you've also analyzed, as well as, as Craig and Robert, the early voting in the state of Georgia. You think this is about as tight as it can get? Oh, yeah. So we're at 49-49 in both of those races. Very little movement, a little bit, but within the margins of error. It's very tight. Uh, yeah, I think all three of us, and we've, we've looked at it separately and together, we all know that the Republicans are going to have to have a substantial turnout uh, tomorrow on Election Day in Georgia to, to hope to see uh, this race end up in, in the Republican margin and, and win column. It's, it's very tough because the African-American turnout um, in, in Georgia is about three points above what it was at the end of early voting in November. We all know how that turned out. Now, David Perdue ended up with a good number of votes ahead of his opponent. Uh, so there's some margin of, of comfort there, one would think, for Purdue, uh, for Leffler less, though. But we did see in the poll a little movement for Leffler coming up in, in this last poll. So I think they're all coming together in the middle of this thing, and it is going to be a coin flip. It just depends on how hard and fast this turnout uh, occurs tomorrow. And if it reaches, uh, let's say, 800,000 to 900,000, then 
you'll have competitive races if it stays below that. I think the Democrats would take potentially both seats. Now, they are predicting a high turnout tomorrow, uh, Robert. But, you know, this is kind of what I was telling people on Election Day and the weeks leading up to Election Day is, you know, this is now it's a two minute drill. You've got to assume you're down by six with early voting. Republicans are down, but we expect greater Republican turnout tomorrow. If the numbers come out high enough, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler can win uh, and be a check and balance against Nancy Pelosi as speaker. If not, uh, it's a disaster. Well, there's no question. And, you know, and you've, you, I've said this uh, numerous times over the past week. Uh, this $600 versus 1000 was devastating. Uh, this whole debate back and forth uh, where the uh, Democrats came out and uh, agreed with the president immediately and the Republicans a little slow out of the chute and then the Republicans not getting on board, uh, get me getting it done. Uh, Leffler and Purdue were very much for the extra, the $2,000. Uh, the public uh, was 75% for it. And um, people are frustrated, and, and we're losing some working, working class Trump supporters uh, who really want that money. I mean, you know, how often in politics do, do people does the government offer to give voters money before an election? And when that happens, you probably need to be for the bigger number. Uh, that's this race. Would, I do not believe this race would have been competitive had that not happened. And we saw them both starting to open up nice leads. But it did happen. It is competitive, and it is really going to be up to the president uh, with how he speaks tonight. And you know, does, does he put this burden on him? Does he say this? Do this for me? Uh, there is, people have particular problems with some of the candidates on one issue or another, and a lot of it involves the president. And only the president can make people get over that. So it, it, it's a big burden, but it, but he can handle it. And if they'd have gotten the two thousand dollars that Trump asked for, this race would be over already. And you, by the way, have both Democrats up by a slight margin, but all within the margin of error now, correct? Yes, but we, we, we will we will put out another poll in our final numbers in the morning. And what do you expect? What are you seeing? Is it tightening? We're gonna. We, we have a flash uh, poll that uh, planned uh, after the president uh, speaks. Uh, that'll give us some indication of whether it moved a, fir- a certain demographic. But yes, yeah, we have it very, very, very tight. Uh, I would agree with Matt. I'm a little higher. I think the Republicans have to eclipse a million. Uh, there have to be a million voters tomorrow for the Republicans to make this race as competitive. And it has. Do, to be, is that know, likely, or is this a fantasy? No, it's it's extremely likely. I mean. If it was only a million, they would be at the same level of participation uh, that they had in the governor's race, roughly. And so this has had a lot more money in the governor's race, had spent on that, and a lot more attention, and a lot more get out the vote on both sides. So we've always expected this to eclipse the governor's race. And if it doesn't, it will be because conservative, uh, uh, conservative Republicans and conservative independents and conservative Democrats who, like the president, felt lukewarm uh, yeah. about some of the things that have happened. So, I mean, he, he, he can do it, but he has to lean in and say, hey, you, you're doing this for me. You're voting. You're doing this for me. That's I, I think that's the key is the president has got to, got to put this thing on his back and, and, and take it. Craig Kosheshian? Uh, I am in harmony with Matt and with Robert on this point. Uh, Sean, I have said time and time again, uh, the president disrupted the, the campaign in a positive way with the $2,000 gambit, gambit uh, for COVID relief. 
The senators should have jumped on that immediately, if not sooner. They should have bounded themselves to Trump like Velcro. Truly, Sean, the president is a Goliath in the state of Georgia. And these two senators should have bonded more carefully with him. uh, And they should have run a more effectively positive campaign, too. There are so many things they could have talked about. Um, Instead, uh, the negative tone, I think, has hurt. Uh, Republican, the Republicans in this race. In fact, we are seeing in Insider Advantage GOP defections to the Democratic candidates. Maybe they're flirting with Warnock and and uh, and Ossoff for the time being, but those numbers are significant enough to turn this race to the Democratic side. So I'm concerned about that. I think the $2,000 versus $600 gambit uh, had a, uh, a dramatic impact on Republican thinking. I also think that a lack of a positive campaign didn't necessarily help uh, our friends uh, Loeffler and uh, and uh, Senator Perdue. Plus, another big concern, Sean, and I hope everybody understands this, there are 117,000 new voters that did not vote in the general election that are casting their votes or have casted their ballots in this runoff. And that is not that does not bode well for us. So that million figure that Robert just cited turnout tomorrow, that is mandatory. It's not necessary and sufficient. It has to be mandatory for Republicans to pull this thing off tomorrow. Big turnout by Republicans. Trump supporters needed if you want to stop Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Now, what about the issue of this Georgia Secretary of State and this phone call? Um, By the way, now the chairman of the Georgia Republican Party uh, has pointed out Trump is suing the Secretary of State saying that the the phone call was illegally recorded. Well, I actually have the full transcript of the call in front of me. It was a very, very long call. Uh, Matt, without reading it all or going into it, which would take up an entire program, uh, the president pointed out repeatedly again and again on the call that, that he believes the vote victory margins in Georgia were significantly higher uh, than than the, what, nearly 12,000 point difference between the president and Biden again and again. And then the comment about, well, we only need 11,000 was clearly a reference to, you know, hey, I think this is the number is really closer to this number and this number and and really honed in on what it was that he saw as fraud in this election. And I didn't hear that the secretary of state had any answers. There's a lot of resentment towards the governor and secretary of state. Uh, Does this impact the race in any way? Yeah, let me put on two caps. First, my lawyer cap. Um, if that was indeed a settlement discussion uh, or conference and they, they agreed to keep it uh, private and confidential, then violation was not on the side of Donald Trump. Now, let me put my political. Well, let me ask a question about that. If it's a yeah. settlement mm-hmm. discussion, explain the difference legally in such an, uh, an environment. Well, when you're, if you have an active lawsuit and, and you enter into confidential settlement discussions, Normally, the parties would agree to keep it confidential. That means someone who was part of that uh, conference broke that confidentiality by leaking this to the media. Now, I don't know if that's the case, but that's what David Schaefer has suggested, and David's a very smart guy. I think he'd be on, on target. The other thing I want to mention today, the Secretary of State has doubled down. He said his- Yeah, hang on, Matt. Let's put you on hold here. Let's get your take on it, Robert. I think that w- one of the things about it is just like you said, it's very long. All right, and one of the things that happened when when there was the whole thing about the U- Ukrainian call is there was this talk about that was it inappropriate? Well, it's just like 
it's just like debates a lot of the time. People people miss debates. They hear the recap. So a lot a lot of folks are just hearing that Trump was giving the Secretary of State a hard time, and they absolutely agree. I mean, they want to see him raise Cain about it. So, I mean, the, the number of people who are actually going to read the transcript or listen to the entire call isn't there. And these kind of things tend to fall back to the perspective that you came to the discussion with. And so anything that gets uh, people who support Trump angry enough to vote, I think is a net positive. Uh, it's not like the other side needed to be motivated to vote. So at this point, this is all about, for, for Republicans, this is all about them being motivated to vote and I don't see how that hurts their motivation to vote. Craig Kosheshian, you went to Yale Law School. You would know if this is a settlement call, how does that differ legally for the president and it being released like this? Well, I, I think it should have been kept confidential, and this should have been the purview of lawyers. And Again, the president was given some uh, questionable advice. I think this should have been confidential and it should not have been recorded at all. I don't know if Georgia has a, a single-party consent to uh, call recordation if they do. Somebody's in big trouble, but if they don't need uh, mutual consent, then uh, the call could conceivably be evidentiary. But there's no illegality here. It's the president merely doing his due diligence. The guy ran for president of the United States, and he has an entitlement to find out, to do his due diligence, to see what went, went awry. And he was asking the right questions of the right person. It wasn't meant to to overturn an election. It was merely meant to learn the uh, the diagnostics of what went wrong. We all saw what uh, took place in Georgia. Questions arise. Good lawyers uh, ought to suss them out, period. End of discussion. And I think it's a motivator for Republican voters. They should see how uh, what chicanery went on here and how that impacted the vote. And that's why their vote is now super amplified in these runoffs. Sean. And and I'll tell you what, let me take a break here and then we'll come back. Um, I actually going to have to run in all of this. But, you know, one party, Georgia's wiretapping law, one party consent, consent laws for purpose of making audio recording conversation. Uh, Georgia makes it a crime to secretly record a phone call or in-person conversation originating in any private place unless one party of the conversation consents. Uh, e- you know, either way, this this is a a legally binding call that agreed to privacy. And it just reinforces how people feel about the governor and secretary of state. But Georgia, your country needs you. Uh, Craig Kosheshian, Robert Kahaley, Matt Towery, thank you all for being with us. Appreciate you uh, being on board. All right, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the uh, program. And we're watching a lot of stories. Obviously, what happens on Wednesday is of the utmost importance. Uh, It is, you know, as I... As I kind of laid out at the beginning of the program, we're at a, a point in our history where there is such, how do I say this, it, 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 there's such a willingness to accept corruption and cast aside the law, norms, common sense, reason, you know, simple fundamental principles that have always made this country great. Nobody wanted to hear the legal case out of Wisconsin, where they don't allow mail-in balloting and and how they circumvented the law or the beatdown of the Supreme Court justice in that 3-4 decision that that sadly went the wrong way uh, against the the system, the law that was clearly violated, or what happened in Pennsylvania and the state constitution of Pennsylvania. Couldn't be any more clear than what it is. 
Uh, you know, Josh Hawley, you know, in his response, I thought he gave a very strong response to Senator Toomey when he came out and said, excuse me, let me explain to you. Pennsylvania, since the 19th century, your Constitution has required all votes be cast in person with narrowly defined exceptions. The fact is widely been acknowledged. Pennsylvania courts have ruled on this question multiple times. Last year, state legislator enacted a new law purported to permit voting by mail for any reason in direct contradiction of their Constitution. And the November state officials put that new law into effect. More than two and a half then million Pennsylvanians voted by mail on November 6th. In numbers far exceeding any margin between Trump and Joe Biden, the courts wouldn't even hear it. This this, you know, lax standard of signature verification that took place in Georgia. In other words, you vote by mail. Well, you don't have the need for voter I.D., your signature as part of this idiotic consent decree agreement with the Secretary of State of Georgia and the Georgia Democratic Party, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, you know, all, you know, didn't matter. You didn't, we're not going to check the signature of the database that the state has held on record to ensure that the person that applied for the ballot and signed the ballot is actually the person that voted. Now, if you voted in person, however, you did need voter ID and your signature was verified by the state database system. I mean, it, it doesn't get more fundamentally unfair than any of that. There was, I think, short of this show and maybe a couple of others, no show ready and willing to put on whistleblowers, eyewitnesses, if you will, that were willing to sign legal affidavits. Uh, under the penalty of perjury about what it is they saw in election corruption. There is a total lack of any curiosity, any whatsoever, by these major institutions. Democratic Party could not care less. The media mob doesn't care less. No partisan observers, even though the law specifically calls for it in each and every state. Anybody care about that? There's not, not even a flinch out of anybody no curiosity whatsoever chain of custody being broken time and time and time again bothers nobody you know all of these issues you know over the over the holiday um our own linda mclaughlin has actually been working with a group of of data experts um these guys are data professionals now it's taken a while unfortunately i think we did get off on a number of tangents in the beginning and, and maybe had some people go off the deep end on some theories that they had that were never proven to be true. But when you have, uh, you know, on December 30th, uh, during a state Senate hearing, uh, as it relates to Georgia and on the 24th of December, as it relates to Pennsylvania, and you've got data experts that, you know, look, I, I, I've had people over the holidays try and explain Bitcoin to me. Really smart people, engineers. Well, there's a limited amount of space for Bitcoin, so and so forth, and it's going to be a cryptocurrency, and this is how it works, because I know people were encouraging me when Bitcoin was nothing to buy into it, and I just kept saying to everybody that would try to explain it to me that I don't understand it. And I still don't understand it after uh, literally smart people trying to explain it hour after hour after hour. 
But there are these people that are incredibly brilliant. I mean, people with incredible credentials and background, like uh, this guy Justin Mealy and Dave LeBoo. Anyway, so December 30th, they presented before the state of Georgia, for example, and their Senate committee, all this information. You know, one guy worked as an electronic warfare technician in the Navy for nine and a half years, CIA contractor as a data analyst. You got to be pretty damn smart to do that. Programmer for the National Counterterrorism Center. And what they found is tens of thousands in some cases and hundreds of thousands in other cases of Votes deleted. Now, maybe you don't agree with them. Well, don't you think we ought to at least listen and check these things out? Should we not listen to eyewitnesses? Why is this the only program that put on whistleblower eyewitnesses that I thought we praised? Why is it that we seem to be one of the few concerned about the rule of law being upheld and the Constitution being upheld in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania? Those of us that want equal justice under the law in Georgia. And we want one system fits all. One set of standards for every voter. Not two separate standards. One lax and one rigid. Why is it that we're one of the few saying, well, why didn't we have partisan observers that were allowed to watch the vote counting? Why didn't we have chain of custody issues watched after? You know, so for Ted Cruz to put out his letter, as we discussed earlier in the program today, you know, and then to watch the reaction to it, 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 it didn't matter. You know, there were some very, very smart people on so many different ends of this, lawyers and data people and numbers people. And, you know, it's, it didn't matter. Even the videotape of, oh, people kind of kicked out of the room quickly, and then we have suitcases with ballots appearing. It was immediately dismissed. Oh, no, that's nothing. We looked into that. That's, no, that's nothing. The Constitution of Pennsylvania, oh, no, that's nothing. The law in Wisconsin, we're not going to pay attention to that either. You know, two standards for signature verification in Georgia, we, we have no, oh, no worries there. No partisan observers. That's fine, too. Well, uh, it's not fine with me. And I've been, as I've been discussing here, um... You know, I, I, it, I, I can't believe it's taken me this long in my life to realize that it can all happen here. We were the country that sent election observers. We're not the country that needed election observers. Who's going to watch our elections now? Uh, we were the, you know, my whole life I revered the FBI and I still revered the 99%. But I've come not to revere or trust the top people in power. I used to believe that we had a, you know, equal justice and equal application of our laws. But after Hillary gets a pass and after, you know, fake Russian dossiers are used to spy on presidential candidates and presidents, I don't quite have the same faith and integrity in the system. When a guy like, well, you know, Roger Stone can have 30 guys in tactical gear, frogmen, pre-dawn raids, CNN cameras for lying to Congress. And then you have a report put out by the inspector general saying that they're making a referral as it relates to top members of the FBI for the same thing. And nothing ever happened. How can that happen? I always believed in equal justice and equal application. I don't think it happens in this country. Didn't happen for Hillary Clinton. Didn't happen for the deep state so far. And I'm not sure if it's ever going to happen.
Didn't happen with quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. It didn't happen. They didn't vet Joe Biden just like they never vetted Barack Obama. Hunter got a pass. Hillary got a pass. Joe gets a pass. No curiosity. If it's about Donald Trump, forget it. You know, the standard is, you know, destroy, destroy in in any way, shape, manner or form that you can. You know, leading up to the election, I've been saying it in different ways, but we have American institutional corruption in this country at levels I never really thought possible. And it's hard as, you know, when you revere certain institutions and they let you down at such a spectacular level. And then I begin to question myself is why did I ever have faith in them? You know, now moving forward, seeing that nobody cared about what happened or to get to the bottom of what happened in this election. And nobody we, we just ignore the rule of law. We ignore the whistleblowers in this case. We don't revere them. We dismiss them. We ignore any scientific or data analysis from experts a lot smarter than me. We ignore the law on observing elections. We don't have any chain of custody in these cases. And then they're telling us that if we don't support their conclusion that we should have full confidence in the election, we're viewed as lunatics. Well, that doesn't sound like the America that I grew up to love and revere. It sounds like institutions are failing us at a spectacular level, at an alarming level, at a level that, frankly, you know, if you care about your kids and grandkids and the future of this country, hell, I've had a great life, to be very blunt. You know, it's not about me anymore. It's about other people. It's about future generations. And the more that I've been able to just stand back and watch this and follow this and try and expose this, just like, you know, when I added up how many of us were actually deeply involved in rooting out the corruption of the deep state, there was maybe between those of us, you know, on air, our ensemble cast, this show, my staff, TV, my staff, and then members of Congress, Jim Jordan's, Mark Meadows, Devin Nunes's of the world, etc. Maybe 25 of us against the deep state, a corrupt media, powerful institutions, and we ended up being right. And by the way, we're all hated for it on levels that I never expected either. Um, it's it's alarming. I guess the first evidence that I really began this this sort of sort of like an unfolding revelation about you know. My gosh, this is not what I thought it was, is when the media just refused to vet Obama. We're out there alone, and I'm like, okay, I'll do their job. I don't care. It's what makes us different. And I keep saying to people, you know, we stay independent on this show. We do our own thing. And um, it's just sad to watch it. And then you ask yourself, well, what can you do about it? I'm not really, I don't know if I have the answer, except that if we don't fix it or fight to fix it and give our hearts and souls into fixing this, because there is no better place on the face of the earth, that I believe. But there are certainly, it doesn't mean that you can't recognize failures. As a matter of fact, you've got to recognize them first before you can ever fix them. All right, as we continue, let's get to our phones here. Uh, let's go to Dr. Hallows in Georgia. Dr. How we need Georgia tomorrow. You going to help us? I'm doing the best I can, Sean. That's how you. On, my friend? It's a mess. It's a mess here, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell everybody who's listening that this is the line in the sand, and and um, Ossoff and Warnock will destroy health care in this country, and anybody who values their health care needs to understand that the lies on the commercials on TV here in Georgia about 
about uh, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue trying to take away their health care are, are just that. They're, they're absolute lies. It's the opposite. It's the, it's the standard um, Saul Alinsky tactic of turning it around on your opponent, what you want to do. And that's exactly what they want to do. They've tried to take over health care under Obamacare. They've tried to do this in, in Hillary care. And this is going to be their best um, uh, attempt. And, and they're going to succeed if they've got the majority. So every Georgian need, who, who values their health care needs to get out tomorrow and they need to vote Republican. And even if you're not a, a Republican, if you're, a, in, if you're an independent, if you are a libertarian, or if you're a Democrat who doesn't want to see Washington controlling your health care, you need to get out tomorrow and vote for your health care. Otherwise, you might as well just um, no. understand that, that what's happening in, it, with lockdowns and what's happening with the um, restrictions where the elite can get their, their uh, do what they want to do, go to restaurants or go to, go to uh, beauty salons, that will, that will still continue. They'll still be able to do it. But you or I will not be able to get to see our doctor. They will, well, they will limit. It's, it's everything at stake here. This is about stacking the court. This is about, you know, adding senators. This is about abolishing the Electoral College. This is about socialism, the new Green Deal. And frankly, the fundamental move of America from freedom and liberty to false security and that false narrative, the false promises and hope of socialism. It's going to be a battle. Buckle up. This is not going to be. This is going to be a tough year. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, but you know, calling all patriots, all hands on deck. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. We'll continue. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, our toll free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program? Uh, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich is with us. Author of Trump and the American Future. Um, now, before we took our, our holiday vacation, uh, you did talk about how you're not giving up, period. You now see this movement leading into Wednesday. And first it was Josh Hawley. Now it's Senator Cruz. They got about 11 senators, maybe 150 House members uh, that are saying we're not going to turn a blind eye to the law in Wisconsin. Eyewitness testimony and affidavits signed by hundreds and hundreds of people. The Constitution of Pennsylvania clearly ignored the dual verification issues in the state of Georgia. The new data analysis information that we're getting from top data people, uh, the law that partisan observers can observe and chain of custody not held. You're not giving up. No, and I think, look, it's fine. By the way, neither am I, for the record. Yeah, well, no, I mean, you and I, I think, are shoulder to shoulder in this. I think it's just important for the future of the system for a substantial number of House and Senate members to register that this election has huge questions about it, that it certainly deserves 10 days of looking at it seriously. Uh, all of these court cases were all decided on procedural grounds. They weren't decided on fact or on listening to the substance. Uh, and you have 74 million people who voted for Trump despite a five-year campaign uh, to discredit and smear him. And I think those, those 74 million people deserve to know uh, what happened. And we frankly need to learn it to make sure that we can change the rules and not have it happen again. And 
I think it's very important. I'm very pleased with Ted Cruz's leadership on this. Uh, I'm also delighted with the number of House members uh, that are now committed to this, and I think that may get to be as high as 160 House members. And at a minimum, if you add to that all the state senators and state House members who've also spoken out, uh, reasonable people have to recognize that despite the propaganda of the corporate media, uh, the fact is that there, there's a lot of stuff there that's suspicious and wrong and not the way America should operate. You know, I was expressing earlier, I, I don't know, maybe I was just had blind faith in American institutions, um, but I'm losing it. The lack of curiosity, um, nobody, I mean, nobody wanted to hear from real whistleblowers or eyewitnesses. They, they were signing affidavits under the penalty of perjury or you know, not caring at all about a state constitution that expressly prohibits mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania, that that constitution was ignored. Or Wisconsin, the way they signed up people for uh, not absentee, but uh, early voting, that too violated the law, as, as the Chief Justice pointed out in that decision. Or no partisan observers or chain of custody, all these different issues. Nobody except a few of us, just like with the deep state, were willing to bat an eyelash, and they don't seem to care at all about any of it. No curiosity. No, well, they don't. Look, it depends on who you're talking about. Uh, the elite media are Trump's mortal enemies. They can't afford to care for anything except getting rid of Trump. The, the big Internet companies are Trump's mortal enemies. So what you have is the major sources of communication have all committed themselves to deliberately lying about what happened, smothering evidence. Uh, the, big, the biggest whitewash I can remember in American history in what was the most corrupt election. And, and not just, this is what I think, where I think we frankly may, want, may have gone down a rabbit hole that was wrong. This election wasn't just corrupt because on election day, bad things happened. This election was corrupt because all the major sources of information, except for the New York Post, the Wall Street Journal, and Fox News, all the other major sources spent the last year trying to destroy Trump. They spent the last four years trying to destroy Trump. Uh, and towards the end, the censorship of the big Internet companies became equivalent to Soviet Russia or China. Uh, it was unbelievable what they were doing. And I think in that sense, this is, and then Zuckerberg comes in and still has not been questioned about the $400 million. I mean, he's an oligarch in the Russian tradition. And he's out there turning his cash into political power. Uh, and he's doing it in a way that I think clearly Zuckerberg alone was more votes than Biden won by because of the way that he set up his $400 million to rent city governments uh, in order to turn out Democratic votes. Look, you know, can I ask you, did, have I na- naively... Throughout my life, you know, we used to send election observers, what I keep saying to this audience. Now, who's going to observe our elections? Um, I used to believe we had equal justice and application of our laws. Do you really believe that after Papadopoulos and Stone and Manafort and company and General Flynn? Um, but yet, you know, you you literally have an inspector general that you know, talks about the actual lying of top FBI officials and nothing happens to them, makes a referral of of such or Hillary's email scandal and the phony dossier to spy on a presidential candidate and president. You know, these are things that I don't think I thought five years ago could happen here. 
Was I naive? Was I stupid? Was I too trusting? Um, I, I think I was. That's a fair. Uh, by the way, answer honestly. If you think I was, I'll, I'll take the hit. No, 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 no. I, I was just thinking about the way you framed it. And I'm thinking back to that period. I think if you had said to me in, say, 2014 or 15, that we could have an election in which on the day of the inaugural, the Washington Post would run an article about impeachment in which the FBI senior leadership would consciously lie to a FISA court judge, uh, in which Hillary Clinton could uh, eliminate 33,000 emails and have a staff person use a hammer to physically destroy the hard drives, and nothing happened. I, I would have thought that was impossible. No, I, I think we've, we've watched a decay, which may have started with, with, with the Clintons and just gotten steadily worse, uh, but we've watched the decay now of this country drifting towards Venezuela and Zimbabwe and, and, you know, third world kind of behaviors that I think are pretty scary, frankly. You know, and I mean, this is the point here. Why do you think that it doesn't matter what information we're able to uncover, what law was broken, what constitutional provision was violated? There is nothing that anybody's going to bat an eyelash out, and it's this instant dismissal. Like, you know, oh, thousands of votes found weeks after the election in Georgia. Oh, but it's perfectly normal. No, it's okay. There aren't other votes out here. We're sure. And then another dump comes. Uh, or, you know, six weeks after the election, they're still finding ballots in New York, for example, in certain districts. And, it, you know, it's unbelievable to me. And I guess the question oh, is... Sure. You know, they don't care because they got the result they wanted. Are Republicans the same or conservatives? Because I think I'd care. Well, I mean, people ought to care. Uh, you know, I think that it's it's uh, very, very important um, that uh, we are we recognize how big this problem is and that, that we recognize that we're in a fight for the life of our of democracy and freedom in America. And this is going to go on for a while. I mean, the American Revolution took eight years. You know, Reagan gave his first great national televised speech as Barry Goldwater was, was being, being defeated in a disaster in October of 1964. He then endured the Vietnam War, uh, Lyndon Johnson, the Great Society, uh, Watergate, and, uh, you know, ultimately came back and 16 years later won the presidency, defeated the Soviet Empire, relaunched the economy, and rebuilt American civic morale. So. I think we have to take that same attitude. We're, we're going to hang in there because freedom is worth it. Um, America's worth it. And we're not going to let some bunch of, of ne'er-do-well thugs and crooks take over this country. Let me ask you now, I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be on Wednesday. I think, you know, I, I think the effort is, is uphill all the way. I've said that from the beginning. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not Pollyannish, but I think that if, this is such a needed and healthy exercise in the sense that if we don't get this right, we'll never have an honest election again. If we don't really understand deeply and profoundly any evidence of any any weakness in our system. And look, for example, I'll give great credit to Ron DeSantis. I mean, after 2000 and 2016, he cleaned up Florida. Florida ran perfectly this election season. Um, every state can do it if they want to. But we've got to have the will, and we've got to admit where, where things are not working. Well, I think that's right. And I think that um, I'm, I'm an optimist in part because in 24 states, Republicans have both houses and the governorship. And I think in most of those states, we're going to be able to start adopting 
uh, very clear, very decisive, honest election rules, and that that will begin to be a pattern that will shift across the country. I also believe that the odds are overwhelming that Kevin McCarthy is going to be Speaker in two years. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, the, 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 the things that have happened in the first two days of this Democratic Congress, you know, but when you have somebody who, who ends a prayer with a man and a woman, and you well, know I, I, I saw that. I, I mean, I didn't even understand it. Is amen somehow rooted in men only? Because I'd never no, heard of it before. Amen is actually a term either in Hebrew or Greek, uh, which basically means it, it won't be changed. Okay? I mean, it, it has nothing to do with sex. But then remember, and I'm, I'm double-checking this because I find it so hard to believe, but the Democrats in their original draft of their House rules actually included eliminating 29 words like father, mother, brother, sister. Now, that is a party so insane that if they actually adopted that, and that means that every marginal Democrat in the country voted yes. You have By the way, Lin, Lin, our own Linda actually understands more than we do, and she might have more degrees certainly than me, but than us put together, even though you are a great professor and historian. You know the answer to this? Yeah, I mean, the speaker is right. You know, it was translated from Latin and then into Greek. It has absolutely nothing to do with gender. It basically just means so be it. So that's why at the end of Scripture you say amen, so be it. That's so it. Be that's it. all amen. it means. It has nothing a- to amen. do with well, amen. Who came up women. with the a, a woman? Where, where did this come from? Well, no, no. It was, it, was a, it was a Democrat member of Congress who was a preacher who I guess felt he had to be in the spirit of, of the modern sexual revolution. Uh, I mean, I, I did a tweet yesterday saying that if they really do take knock out 29 words, at least we'll know that while Republicans stand for national security, the Democrats stand for gender security. I mean, this stuff is crazy. It's the stuff that ought to be on, it's the stuff that ought to be on comedy shows. We shouldn't get angry about it. We should laugh at it. And we should, we should laugh at every Democrat who, who voted for it. Laugh at it. It's going to be the next woke, you know, cancel culture, you know, uh, yeah, cause nothing, celeb. Nothing I mean, destroys, but nothing destroys a cultural movement faster than humor. Let me ask this. Georgia tomorrow. Thoughts? It's all a function of turnout. If Republicans turn out tomorrow, we win. Uh, we have 8,000 poll watchers. I'm pretty sure we're going to get an honest count. But I also think that the whole pattern we've seen everywhere Democrats are ahead in early voting, which is because they worked so hard to get people uh, to vote by absentee ballot and to vote by mail. Uh, and then we come back on Election Day. So we have to have probably six or 700,000 votes tomorrow, which is not unknowable. We had over a million votes on Election Day in uh, November. And that'll be the test. If, if we get people out to vote uh, and if the 8,000 poll watchers can keep the election honest, I suspect we'll win both seats by about fifty-one forty-nine. I might have if a slight disagreement with you on one thing, and and that is, you know, they still have the drop boxes. I know they're monitoring them more closely, and I know we have more observers. And I'm not sure if they've made the adjustments to observe with COVID. Um, and you know, I, I still am not confident. Well, they, you they know, know, first they, of all, they, they they've never fixed the dual certification signature verification standards or any of that. Well, I agree. No, no, all the things that the Secretary of State did to appease Stacey Abrams are still there. There's no question about that. And there's no question that Raffensperger uh, is basically an ally of Stacey Abrams and an opponent of, of Donald Trump. There's just no question about this. It's bizarre to have a Republican Secretary of State who's sold out this much to the left. 
But having said all that, they did come in with the campaign. They did put a security camera on every single uh, one of those drop boxes. They filmed every person who went to the drop boxes. They've reviewed the films, I think, on a 24-hour basis. Uh, once or twice they found somebody putting in more than one, and they went and found them. So I think they have tightened up dramatically from where they were. Now, the next big thing will be, if you have 8,000 poll workers, when you get to, say, Fulton County, do they try to kick them out? My hunch is they don't this time because they know the world's watching and we know we're going to come down on them. So I think in the end it's going to come down to turnout. And frankly, in the chaos of the governor, the secretary of state, the president, et cetera, um, I worry about turnout because I worry about people just shrug their shoulders and go, this is just, this is a mess. Well, the turnout has to be high. We we need over a million people to be in this game tomorrow to turn out on Election Day. Right. We probably will know by this time tomorrow whether or not we have a chance of reaching that. I think think that's right. And and I think, uh, although we tend to vote later because we actually go to work, uh, but I think that you're going to find... my, my guess is, in the end, we're going to win by a narrow margin. But I have to tell you, it's a guess, because I don't think we understand the dynamics of what's going on. I hope George is listening. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, thank you, sir. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. Georgia, your country needs you. Um, it's important. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. We'll take calls. Final half hour next. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. All right, we'll do some uh, calls here, as promised. Joe is in LJ. Joe, your last push. Boy, do we need Georgia, my friend. Sean, we're all working very hard. Uh, Marjorie Green and Jody Ice are leading the charge to overthrow the Electoral College Wednesday. I really believe that David and Kelly both will win. Everybody down in Georgia I've talked to is fired up. I used to live in Dalton, and they're really fired up over there. So I think we'll have a big win. But I just want to thank you. Nobody in America, Sean, has done as much as you have for Donald Trump and the conservative cause. And I, Joe McCutcheon, just want to say thank you to the great Sean Hannity. Well, I don't deserve your thanks, number one. Number two, uh, this is what we do. And number three, I obviously, to be very blunt, didn't do enough. You know, because you've done a lot. And this can't happen. Well, I appreciate it. You're very kind. But this this can't happen in our great country. And it's happening. It's uh, it, I, I mean, it's DEFCOM 5 in my brain. I can't shut it off. It doesn't go away. It's there staring at us every day. Joe, we got a lot of work to do, I think. Don't you think? Yes, sir. Sean, I do. But thank God for you. And we're all working hard and we're never going to give up. Like Churchill said, never, never give up. We're going to the conservative cause. We'll win and keep up the great work. Sean Hannity. All right, Joe. Thank you. We're counting on Georgia tomorrow. Eight hundred. 941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Let's see, it's Lena next in Florida. Lena with a tough question. I don't know if I have the answer. Lena, how are you? Glad you called. (laughs) Hi, Sean. Um, Happy New Year. Um, Happy New Year to you. I'll tell you, this is like losing the death of a family member. This is just crazy what's going on. And my question to you for President Trump is... In the next couple of days, what, I mean, what can he do? What can anybody do to get this election? I mean, is there anything else to get this election overturned? Because it is, it's crazy to me. I cannot fathom it. Look, (laughs) I I mean, the, the single best thing I guess people can do is we all have representatives. I would expect maybe close to 150 or more House Republicans are are going to support this. 
Uh, in the Senate, we've got a dozen senators, including now Senator Perdue, led by Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz have been amazing in this. And get in touch with your senators. Let them know how you feel. This is not unprecedented, by the way, historically. Um, but you're asking your question is when, you know, you, you think of all, let's keep it simple. You think of all the evidence, all the attention, one anonymous hearsay whistleblower, non-whistleblower, hearsay whistleblower got from the Democrats and the media mob. And yet all of these Americans, I don't know, I think we were one of maybe just a couple of shows at most that even dared to put the whistleblowers on when they signed hundreds and hundreds of people, signed sworn affidavits, penalty of perjury. I thought that was a big deal. You know, I don't think any any single member of the Democratic Party or media mob cared to bother to read the Wisconsin court decision. I don't think anybody cares what the Pennsylvania Constitution says about mail-in voting with very stern restrictions that were clearly violated and how unconstitutional it is, the law that was passed by the SB 30, whatever it was called, uh, in Pennsylvania, or 70 uh, is the law, uh, that violates the Constitution. Nobody cared. Nobody's looking at data analysis or caring what data experts has to say. Nobody cares that in every state the law calls for partisan observance. They don't care about that either. They don't care about chain of custody being lost. So you're asking me what we can do when you have institutions in great denial and they're in power. And the answer is, I think we won the argument because I don't have any doubt that 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 dramatic fraud happened. I've said that many times. And but they don't even want to question any of it. All of it just dismissed. All of it put aside. They never bothered to look at any of it. Courts want nothing to do with it. And so how do you overcome such abusive bias and prejudice and lack of concern over law, constitution? Uh, What's at stake for the country when 83% of Republicans, 30% of Democrats don't think that this election was free and fair, and I'm among them. Uh, And if I talk about it, they just roll their eyes, don't listen, or they attack you. I don't know the answer. So I'm not able to give you a good answer, am I? That's, I told you I wasn't going to be able to answer your question. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just, it's, it's just, it is mind-blowing. And, you know, I know that we have to, as a Christian, I mean, I know that I have to pray for those people. But I don't have to like what they're doing. But I, this is my first, my birthday's on the 20th of January. And it's a big birthday for me this year. And this will be the first year since I was five that I have not watched Inauguration Day. And I cannot and will not if he doesn't. The not. only thing I can say is you got to ask yourself this. You know, there, there, uh, the only bit, of, if I can give you some let not your heart be troubled comfort, although my heart's pretty troubled, I would say this is there is an ebb and flow to this. I don't care what anybody says. I believe this is a center right country. I believe, you know, if, if Biden gets in there, I don't even think he has the mental alertness the mental stamina uh, to to really be fully in charge. I think they're going to, the leftists of that party going to run over him. And which is scary, especially if you consider that Pelosi would be in the house and they, if they ever had a Senate majority, which is what is at stake tomorrow with Georgia. Um, 
and they'll overreach and they'll go too far and it'll be like a big rubber band and people will say, oh my gosh, why did I get so upset over the tweeting? And, you know, every day I was alarmed that Trump wasn't presidential. And the phrase miss me yet will become the most popular phrase in the country. Hashtag Trump 2024. Um, So the answer is, is that it's going to take great Americans like yourself, you know, being able to withstand alarming and shocking and frightening uh, levels of of blatant fraud and dishonesty and still keep up the fight in the hopes that we can now bring more people into understanding what this was all about and what's at stake and what we need to fix. You know, the fight for liberty and freedom never ends. Um, and, you know, I, I, I tried my best, obviously failed as one person, you know, but we all tried. I think all there's a lot of great patriots in this country. So many people did so much good work. A lot of we got off on a couple of some people got off on beaten tracks here and there. And I'm not even faulting them. I'm just saying they lost focus and, you know, went down rabbit holes. And we got delayed in ways we probably shouldn't have. But in the end, we got to learn a lot. And I think you just got to fight and don't stop. Because, you know, I, don't, I, I, I shudder to think of a world without a strong America, what that looks like for the world. And don't think that Putin and President Xi and the mullahs in Iran and Kim Jong-un don't see Biden as, you know, frail and weak and, let's just put it nicely, cognitively, seemingly compromised. I don't know. Sometimes I think that that's a little bit put on on his side because I don't I, I don't know Biden, that is, because of the deals that have gone on with his son and, and so forth. I mean, can he be faking some of that and, and really be smart enough, even though we don't see it? Can it be hidden? And he will actually, he's not as... I, listen, I, I compared to the guy that left in 2016 or 17... And what I see today, I see a pretty significant physical and what seems like um, cognitive decline. Well, yes, in him. he has that. Which, by the way, he we're all going to get old. I'm not being critical. Bernie Sanders is his age, and he's sharp as a tack. I mean, it right. just a lot of it is outside of our control. But all right, let me move on. But Lena, I know I didn't do do good by you, but I'm trying my best here. All right, back to our busy phones. Ron is in Iowa. Ron, how are you? What's going on, sir? Good. How are you, Sean? Thanks for taking my call. First oh, of all, it's like my pleasure. You, Thank you, sir. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And I'd like to say you are doing an awesome job, and we appreciate you very much. All the listeners, you know, we love you. Um, I got you. a question. You know, these courts are not taking the cases. The Senate ain't taking the cases. And I don't understand how it's okay that, that they can just do this. And there's evidence there, but they don't even want to look at the evidence. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I mean, it is odd, isn't it? You know, but but think about odd. it. I mean, we, we really have seen this building and, you know, now you put it all together. Did they did anybody in the Democratic Party or the media ever care about a presidential candidate and a president being spied on based on Hillary's bought and paid for Russian disinformation and then used by to commit premeditated fraud on a FISA court to do it? Let's start there. Did anyone care? They, no, not one person I mean, that I can think of, not one Democrat ever spoke out. So this no, has all been no. building, hasn't it? Absolutely. And we care. You know, the the 74 million that voted for Trump, we care. 
we want to see something happen, but nothing ever does. And we no, want to know how I, it's okay, you know. And, okay and look, I understand people's frustration because it's a frustrating thing, isn't it? Yeah, and we want to know what we can do. You know, from a guy from Iowa, you know, what can I do to actually help this this cause? You know, we, we 74 million of us can't be wrong. You know, if, if there are 80 million Democrats that are positive that this was OK, you know, that Biden won, then why not have them vote again and, and see how many show up? I think the answer to your question is we almost all have to be counterintuitive. There might there might instinctively be a desire for all of us to just throw our hands up, say, screw it and move on with our lives. And I can't deal with this anymore. I don't think that's the answer. I think you double down and you get stronger. I think you double down and you work harder. I think you try to inform people more. Um, And I think the stakes are too high for us to just, you know, roll up our case and go away. Um, it doesn't mean we don't get on with our life. And there's a lot that's going to unfold. A lot of what we've predicted here, that is it's every day going to become more apparent just how radically and radical and extreme this, this group of people are. And, and I think that there's always been an ebb and flow to the election cycle where this gets scary and where this is new territory. It's never been this bad. It's never the the media has never been this abusively biased. The 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 Democrats have never been this radically left wing socialist extremist. We've never had a desire to basically undo the foundational strength of our economy the way they're discussing. So the stakes are a lot higher here than ever before. But there's an instinct. You know, the people just say, well, 74 million of us couldn't do it. Forget it. But if you do that, then they win. And we can't let that happen. Absolutely. And we're fighting for it. I mean, we we 74 million of us can't be wrong is what I'm trying to say. You I don't know, think you just, are wrong. It's it's not right. It's just not right. And I, you, you said before about them people that, you know, um, were counting the votes and all oh, they looked into it and all that. Did, did they have signed affidavits that said, you know, no, no they didn't look into it. I, 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 I have to tell you right now, I doubt a single I doubt a single Democrat, to be honest, can say with honesty and, and that they've ever read the Wisconsin decision. I doubt there's anybody that ever looked at the consent agreement in Georgia. I doubt there's anybody that's ever even read the Pennsylvania Constitution. I doubt there's there's nobody that's even read the the law that allows for partisan observers. I doubt there's there been no analysis by any Democrat of the data abnormalities which grow almost by the day now no i mean we've given out as as information becomes available we give it out and they just tell us no no we've looked into that that's fine no 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 these people are crazy no 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 that we've disproven that well just like they disproved uh premeditated fraud on a fisa court with hillary's dirty russian misinformation dossier they spent so much time exposing that didn't they you know a a lot of this what's hitting me more than ever is that this has been building and building and building and when you put it together it gets pretty scary now because i don't I, I i've never thought it to be this bad and it's that bad that makes you feel good for a new year great way to start the new year hannity very upbeat man no, i'm just saying you're awesome sean and i appreciate you taking my call and you know i'm going to get a hold of my you know uh, you know my governor and, and my uh my representatives and see if there's anything you know hopefully they'll stand up with trump but i don't know all right my friend happy new year to you and to everybody in this great audience we have a lot of work to do we do all right that's gonna wrap things up for today all right tomorrow election day georgia georgia your country needs you 
in big numbers. Tomorrow's vote, day of voting, will literally, well, that'll be all the difference. The, the race will be won or lost tomorrow. I hope you can save the country from Schumer as the head of the Senate. Anyway, full coverage tonight. Uh, we've got the president's speech in Georgia. Newt Gingrich, Matt Towery, Robert Cahaley, Pete Hegseth, Ari Fleischer, Reince Priebus, 9 Eastern, set your DVR. Hannity, the president in Georgia, on the Fox News Channel. See you then back here tomorrow.